What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 205. You heard that right, episode 205 of Combos Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combos Court. Actually, you know what? Stop what you're doing. Pause this episode. Go rate and review the show because it's really important. Then get right back to it because we have a great one for you. Today's show, Renee Washington, host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, joins in. Renee also works with ESPN and Fox Sports. A great conversation. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You could find Renee on Twitter at Renee P. Wash. That's R-E-N-E-E-P-W-A-S-H. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O. C-O-M-B-O, intro music by Luca Beats, let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Renee Washington, host of Locked On Wizards, also a sports reporter for Fox Sports and ESPN. Welcome to Combos Court. How are you feeling today, Renee? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. Uh, your latest podcast installment, 93 days, 22 teams, one NBA championship. What do you make of all of it, Renee? Holy smokes. Well, first of all, I am still feeling like it's a dream. I'm a LeBron James fan. Um so I'm thrilled that the Lakers just won the championship Sunday. And in, in the fact that they did it in such a way, I know coming into the restart, everybody was already asking, is this going to be an asterisk season? Is this going to be, you know, all the, the different types of excuses, I call them, were coming. But at the end of the day, when we finally saw the Lakers clinch and win the finals, that was something that it, it hit me like, wow, this is, what do we just watch? You know, we just watch this magical um, and I hate to use the words magical, especially being that they were in Disney World, but that's what it was. This magical historic moment of all these teams, all these people sacrificing, being away from their families and being stuck in a, bu- you know, in the bubble for all this time to now see a team that actually emerges as a champion. So for that reason alone, I was like, I have to say this because I don't know that enough people realize 93 days. That's a long time being yep. quarantined in a bubble. And then on top of that, just all the mental struggles. I mean, you're an athlete. I'm, I'm a former athlete. We know what that's like, all the mental hurdles you have to deal with in terms of this new normal that they were living. So aside from just the, the challenge of winning a championship in itself, it added so many other hurdles that you had to overcome to win a championship. So I'm like dealing with so many different emotions right now, but one is definitely feeling surreal. For sure. It was great to see the Lakers were actually the team, Renee. I was telling everybody was going to win all year, but you know, who's counting, Renee? Who's, who's, who's counting? Um, I wanted to know what are your challenges and hurdles when it comes to having a daily podcast. And this is no slight to the Wizards, only about that one team. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, you talk all about the NBA, but and a lot of your pod is done solo. Is that a challenge for you doing that on the daily? Daily podcasting is something else. And it is definitely different than I've done daily shows um, in my jobs as a 
reporter host in general. I don't know. It's just something is so different about it because it's like you have when you're on camera and people can see you, it's a total different beast versus when they are just listening to you. And now you have to connect with them in a way like you can't use these grand gestures or facial expressions or bring in like cool props or something. You've got to find a way every day to keep it exciting. And I don't intentionally have it be a daily podcast, but it's not always easy scheduling just around my work schedule in general, as as you know, even for as difficult as it was for us to get this interview scheduled. Um, So sometimes it just works that where it's, it's almost just easier in that sense for me to just jump on and start talking for 30 minutes about whatever the topic may be. It does help that as mentioned, it is a short show. So having a 30 minute show versus like an hour, an hour and a half, and with some broken up um, segments around advertisements and things like that definitely makes it a little bit easier but I know even prior to our conversation I was actually pre-recording an inter- a uh, segment for my show as well so one of the toughest things has been and I, I actually was just talking to somebody about this a couple of days ago is this has really challenged me to have to find a way to creatively come up with content you know it's not as simple as always just talking about the, the most trending topics because it is a wizards driven show. So yep. I try to add in things like, because it's a DC sports team, I'll, I'll talk about other DC sports teams, you know, what's going on with the Washington mystics, the nationals, the capitals talking about other DC sports because it's an NBA team talking about other NBA teams. So I try to find ways to connect it so that the show doesn't get stale. Like if every single episode is just 30 minutes of all wizards updates, you know, it, it would be a little tough. So especially yeah. because they're in the off season right now and there's nothing really going on, nothing pressing, nothing new that has changed as of now, nothing major, I should say, that it just has forced me to creatively find ways to everyday bring content. And I hope people enjoy it. I mean, it seems like the audience is pretty consistent. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's working, but you know, that is something that I honestly will say has been a big challenge because I've always been primarily on camera and doing different types of shows that, as you mentioned with yours, is just a little bit more wide open where you have more flexibility. Even my beyond the headlines Fox sports show I do, that is literally beyond the headlines in all aspects, sports, entertainment, music, news, whatever I want to talk about, I can talk about. Whereas this is a more wizards driven show, which has forced me to have to change the way I even go about my job. So it's been a challenge in itself as we're talking about challenges for the bubble but even for me um in in trying to create daily content that's exciting and relevant to the show itself it's exciting and relevant i actually tune in renee you're doing a great job but uh (laughs) thank you yeah anytime anytime but uh you on the show oh yeah anytime (laughs) let's do it let's set it up uh i gotta you gotta reach out to me on calendy no i don't have that yes only you have that i don't have changer i don't have it but that's your thing though that's your big thing i know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of little tips and suggestions on ways that I've have um, tried to alleviate some of the little stressful things because I do have two podcasts. So I have the Locked on Wizards show, which is through the Locked on Podcast Network. And I do have my Beyond the Headline show through Fox Sports. And I have to schedule so many guests. It's a good problem to have, but, you know, it's it's catches up to you after a while to figure out just how you can creatively schedule guests and not have too much overlapping topics that they're each yes. show has its own identity. So I honestly was actually just scheduling people and I'm definitely going to have you on too, because I'm booking for the next round of guests for my wizard show. So there you go. Let's <laughs> set it up. I, w- I would love to be on the show. Uh, there is actually something very interesting going on with the wizards because I was on YouTube today and I came across a video of John wall playing basketball. Yes. John Wall playing basketball. And I have always been a, been a big proponent of John Wall's game. Um, even if 
his athleticism is somewhat diminished, I think he will still be a great player because what often doesn't get talked about enough is how high his basketball IQ actually is. Are you excited for the return of John Wall? Yeah, that is definitely something we've been talking about on the show for John Wall and for Bradley Beal and how they've been going through their rehab, working to get back. You know, I know there are a lot of people that are doubtful about the way they'll return. And if they're done, you know, John Wall did just turn 30 a couple of days before my birthday, actually, we're birthday buddies. And he just turned 30 years old. Bradley Beal still in his 20s, but they're physically a little bit older, a little bit more worn with a lot of injuries that have had them sitting out long stretches of time. So when you look back specifically on John Wall the last couple of years and just how much basketball he's missed, it's, it has to make you wonder and a little apprehensive, like, is he able to get back? And what's he going to look like once he's back? You know, there are only a number of players and Derrick Rose is one that always comes to mind. that have been able to recover from injuries in a way that they seem like they found a new identity that made sense. You know, sometimes players drop off. Sometimes players never get back. And then there are some players that still find a way to get back, be good, but maybe just not the same type of player they were before. So I'm thinking that we're going to see that with John Wall. He's going to have to kind of change up his game a little bit. It won't be the John Wall that we know, but I think there's going to be some tweaks maybe in maturity and just the way that he's playing because he's going to have to adjust, especially in the beginning as he's transitioning back to being on the floor. But I have been seeing some videos. He has been looking really good in five on five. That's something I actually was excited because I was like, oh, great. Something I can proudly talk about that's encouraging for Wizards fans when right now they might feel like they need some encouragement. And so for John Wall to be back on the floor, and even he's been saying how this is the first time since 2010 when he was drafted into the league that he's finally pain-free. I mean, that's let that sink in. A decade of pain, nagging injuries that are just lingering, causing problems. That's a long time. So, hey, who knows? We might see a John Wall that has a little more pep in his step because he's finally feeling good. Most definitely. A mental break could help as well. I mean, I mean, I know injuries are just challenging from a mental point, but from a mental point of view, but it also could give you like a restart and give you mm-hmm. some time to assess, you know, your career. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it also just makes you really appreciative of playing. Yes. You know, when you're out out injured there's nothing worse than sitting watching your teammates play and knowing that you can't help them knowing you can't play and also knowing that it might be a while before you're back on the floor so I think that's a big part of it too is just it really gives you a new sense of understanding and appreciation for every single game I think that's something as a whole we actually have seen from COVID that it brought us is like we no longer take for granted games in general and I think that's something a player especially when we're talking about John Wall you have to hope that he has that sense of of um, just gratitude that, you know what, I'm back and I'm going to do all I can to make sure I don't ever take this for granted again. Right. Uh, You mentioned Brad Beal. Why is his name always in trade talks? And is there a trade rumor out there that you see that would even make sense for the Wizards? I think the hard part is we're in an NBA today where when a player is not on a team that looks like they can win a championship, the first thought is to move them somewhere else. And my struggle with the Wizards is the fact that we haven't seen Bradley Beal, John Wall, and definitely this young core of players that we saw in the restart together at all. So a player like Rui Hachimura, who was just drafted, this was his rookie season, you haven't had a chance to see him an entire season with Bradley Beal, and you haven't had a chance to see him with John Wall at all. So I think that's what makes this Wizards group tough, where I've been the biggest advocate for saying, don't move Bradley Beal or John Wall. I know John Wall's contract is a lot more... Um, financially difficult to move in general, but don't move either of them yet because I think you take this year, see how it goes. And if it still hasn't progressed, 
then you make a move because that's like you you've done all you can do but we haven't seen the wizards at 100 in years so you don't really even know what this group can do together you know you have a young group of guys that has have been able to learn a lot in the restart you have db who is playing to the point of being a potential six man of the year for the nba you know if they can get back everybody healthy you bring in a good draft pick maybe you bring you acquire someone in the offseason that's a veteran maybe more established like a they could use a player that's more of a rim protector or uh, you know just a, a player to have that's got more size you know that could be a number three or four option this could be a this could be a team that not only is in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but can make some noise. So I think for me, I haven't seen a deal that makes sense for the Wizards. I know there was the rumor around him going to the Nuggets. That would make complete sense for Denver with him and Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic as a big three. Um, of course, any talks of him going to the Lakers would definitely make sense for him. Some yeah. have said they want him to move to have a chance to win a championship, like we saw with Anthony Davis moving to the Lakers and getting out of New Orleans. Just the, the opportunity to be a part of a championship caliber team is he deserves it. You know, he deserves to be a player whose name is up there with all-stars and all NBA team players and competing for a championship. So I don't think the Wizards are in a full rebuild mode, though. That's where I struggle with this. I don't think they're a team that's bottom of the league, kind of like the Bulls right now. And, you know, I don't think they're they're at that low of a point, but they're not at a they're kind of right in the an awkward point in the middle. So I don't say I don't think they should completely rebuild. And I think moving Bradley Beal would be the start of a rebuild. I think they need to add and then see how it goes. And then from there, decide whether or not, you know, a, a different move has to be made. But there's so much that's still up in the air. You'd hate to move Bradley Beal. Now John Wall comes back, looks incredible. And it's all this shoulda, coulda, woulda, what ifs if we had Beal and Wall together healthy like this. Give them a year, see what happens, and then go from there. Yeah, most definitely. I agree with you. And to your point, uh, it's the same thing with the Sixers. I wouldn't move either one of those yeah, guys. That's I, a great point. They're not the greatest fit, but when you have two top players like that, you don't move on for them. And you got to give a coach with a new look a chance. And now you have on top of that, a top five NBA coach with a new chance, with a new look. I don't see why you would move either one of those guys either. That is a great comparison, actually, because I could not agree more in that that's similar to what the Wizards have right now. Doc Rivers coming into Philly with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, you got to give them a chance to see how they how they gel together. And for the Wizards, it's the same thing. You know, it's it's hard to, to find a player in the league that is still young enough that has a lot of years ahead of them, is an all-star caliber player. Bradley Beal, who's averaging over 30 points a game, that's not easy to make up. If we're talking about a player that's more of a four or five option um, or a role player, that's a little different. But we're talking about a top player in the league, regardless if he was named All-NBA and, all and an All-Star or not. Bradley Beal's a top player in the league. He's a top scorer in the league. And you can't pass that up at all. And for me, I haven't seen a, a deal that makes sense to make up that scoring that he does. It's the same thing with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. While they have faults and they need a coach that can hopefully come in and correct some things, for the Sixers, you're not going to get a Joel Embiid. What player are you going to bring in or what, which players can you bring in that can really make up for the size, the versatility, you know, and all that each of those players have? So I think sometimes we do need to just be a little more patient. We're so used to just moving, moving, moving. But most times when a player makes a move, like LeBron was in Cleveland for seven years before he moved to Miami. AD was with the Pelicans. Look how many years he was there. Now, I don't think there's, there is a limit. You don't want to waste too much time in your career in a franchise that's not, you know, working towards a, at least a playoff potential, but you've right. got to give it some time. And for the Wizards, the Sixers, I think they're those types of teams that are right there on the cusp 
uh, being a top team. Of course, the Nets having KD and Kyrie coming back healthy. These teams that are right there, you don't want to move major pieces. And the Warriors, I'll throw into that mix too, even though you can't even really throw them in there with the dynasty they've had in past years. But those teams are right there. They're not in rebuild mode. They're not playoff contenders as of this past season. But next year with a couple of the right pieces, this could be a whole different conversation. I know I say that a lot, but it really could be. Most definitely. Most definitely. I heard your conversation with Matt. Um, I actually had him on the pod as well. Uh So, yeah, it was great to hear you guys talk about uh, the draft. So, I mean, going into the offseason, we're going towards the draft now. Who do you like in the draft that you think could help the Wizards? And just in terms of roster construction around their two stars, what do you think they need to add? Yeah, coming in at that number nine spot for the draft, I think something that um, Tommy Shepard has said that stuck out to me was the fact that they feel like there are 14 or 15 players in the draft that really can help the Wizards. Now, I don't know how accurate that is, but they're saying the top 14 or 15 players, any of them can really step in and and be a a player that can help. Now, I think that the Wizards, in looking at the the draft prospects, I don't know who's going to be still on the board and who's still going to be available. But I think they definitely need someone with some size. I know I touched on that a little bit earlier. You need to bring in someone that has, and when I mean size, I mean not a traditional five. You know, of course, I, in a mock draft, picked James Wiseman, who I don't think would fall that low. But if he did, that'd be a gift. Um, I do think that when you look at some some of these players that are available, it's going to be someone that's maybe more of an international player um, or maybe even someone like Patrick Williams out of Florida State or who's a small forwarder. Obi Toppin, if he's still available from Dayton, you need someone that's like a three or four with a little more size that can also knock down some shots and be a presence on the perimeter as well. So I don't know because this this draft is tough for me. It's, it's very tough in looking at these guys. And this is something Matt and I definitely spoke about not having had a typical draft process, but I don't think they need a point guard. So that eliminates a lot of players off of the board, in my opinion. Right. Cause and there is, there is a lot of good point guards in this. There's draft. a lot of good point guards. There are, yeah. but I just don't think they need a point guard. No, you know, no, no. I, I think right. that you can get away with hat. If you have a, a number of guys, Hey, look, Nikola Jokic handles the ball for Denver. LeBron handles the ball for, for the Lakers. You know, you don't have to just have a chip, a typical guard. If you have like a Rajon Rondo type personality, great, but I think it's more important to have some shooting guards and some small forwards that are more versatile. So if I'm the Wizards, that's what I'm looking for. Versatility, shooters, scorers, and then guys that can play good defense. They need help on the defensive end. So bring in someone that's going to be a good two-way player, but also on the defensive end, be more of a presence and be consistent. So I hope that some of these players fall to the number nine spot for the Wizards, but I'm not sure because I think it's – going to be a lot of bigs that are taken early and then they might have um a few like precious precious achua out of memphis who's available i gotta go with a big though need some more size most definitely uh plus shooting plus plus defenders is yeah is... no big deal just all that <laughs> yeah yeah and actually every team needs that right plus every team yeah that's a good plus point shooting, for sure uh <laughs> You pay close attention to the WNBA. Sue Bird, is it fair to say that she's actually getting better at age 39? <laughs> I was actually reading an article and she, uh, of an interview with her, and she was saying she's not getting better. She's getting wiser. Like, she's, she's definitely not as fast as she used to be, and she's definitely not as maybe even as, as quick in her foot speed, but even like decision-making, but she's wiser and that's the way she's reading the game. So in a sense, it's almost like, yeah, she, she is. And I think that's something that 
even goes back to what we were talking about with John Wall, hopefully having a newfound appreciation for the game. When you get older, when you're now in those final years and you have the ability to still actively play, we've seen players more and more, whether it's in football with someone like Tom Brady or Vince Carter in the NBA, that in their, in their later years in their career, they're still, they still got it. I mean, of course, LeBron James, you, you obviously still has it. He just won finals MVP, but we're seeing the age is the, that limit of what's considered old in professional sports is slowly increasing. I was like, just thinking I mean, about that today. Yeah, 100%, 100%. it's crazy. LeBron was always a great passer, always with elite vision, but I think he's even getting better. I mean, obviously Anthony Davis with all his off ball value helps that a lot, but I mean, I think LeBron James is the best passer in the league today. And uh, he's only getting better at that. Obviously, as his athleticism is the same. Yeah, there, there's just so much to be said about the fact that we have players. When we talk about, like, pioneering, she's doing it in a whole different way. You know, when you look at what she's able to bring to the floor and at she's about to turn 40 years old. I mean, come on. That's insane. I, I just think that she is someone that is trailblazing in a whole different way. I know she just also won her fourth title in 17 years. But the fact that she has the court vision she does, that she's able to make the passes she does, that she's able to still be such a, a presence that she helped lead Seattle to a, another championship, their fourth championship, four for four. I mean, it's just insane. I, I think about players like Sylvia Fowles on the Minnesota Lynx. These 35 and older players that are really showing that, you know what, I might not be the same quick rookie I once was or whatever, but I'm wiser. I've, I've been in this game long enough to study and know the game that I can still move like, like a 24 year old, you know, I can still run the floor. I can still run the offense. And I can still be the best player on the floor at times. So for Sue Bird and for the Seattle storm, she's a big reason they won that championship and were able to sweep the aces in three. But I do think Andrew, as we're talking about across sports in general, because think about the way that players train, yeah. the resources they have, the tools they have, all the technology, all the studies and stuff that we now have to help prevent injuries. Of course, now, as we just saw some terrible injuries Sunday in NFL action, especially, especially around Dak Prescott, but in general, you know, it, it just seems like that's helping players to be able to maintain better. There's so much better load management type of, of uh, processes in place so that a player like Sue Bird is still able to play. I don't know when she's going to be done, to be honest. Like, I have no idea. She's not looking like she's slowing down anytime soon. So some of these players that we're talking around, they might still have a few years left in them. Like we saw with Vince Carter in the NBA, I think Sue Bird's going to make continue to make history in more ways than one, including showing, you know what, 40 is the new 30. <laughs> and I'm going to be still playing in the league with the best of them. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Sue Bird, LeBron James, Tom Brady, and even a long time ago, Kareem was one of the first guys really taking care of his body uh -huh. and eating all the right things. And he played at a high level for such a long time. And now we see so many more athletes doing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and that's a the thing. There's when you look back on the development of players from the physical build to just what they did and didn't know to what they had available from trainers and doctors. I mean, nowadays, a player gets injured. They, they can go out and come back in within, you know, between the quarter zone shots and all these different things that we now have available. Like it's nothing, you know, it's it's insane. But I do think that's something that as much as it sometimes hurts definitely is a big help in that if you can do the right things, whether it's those like ice chambers and cupping and all these different things that we have, right? it really can, can go a long way. So, I mean, for the WNBA as a whole, I know the NBA just wrapped up, but they just finished up 
not too long ago as well. You know, it's incredible to see the way the league as a whole has been turning a corner. You, you know, there's so many more eyes and, and so much of a larger audience around the league. It's an exciting change for women's sports in general to have them be able to be seen as the top athletes in the world, just like everybody else. You know, there's no more separation because you're a, a woman or because of whatever reason. So I think this season has been monumental in more ways than one for, for basketball. And I think it's momentum that's moving in the right direction for some much needed changes around just the respect. I know LeBron James was talking about putting some respect on his name and on the Lakers and on Frank Vogel and, but putting some respect on basketball as a whole for the NBA and the WNBA. There's a lot more respect that's being given for the way the leagues have been handling themselves these last months and able to spotlight their top players, keeping them healthy, keeping them playing through the leagues. It's been fun to watch. Most definitely. I want to hear your thoughts on this, Renee. Only a few more and then we'll get out of here. Uh, you've been more than gracious with your time. Look, I only heard the first half of the, it was actually two parts of the KD Kyrie pod. And I tweeted about this. Um, why was nobody talking about his great relationship with his uncle Rod and the importance of footwork and his relationship with Kobe? All we hear is the negative stuff, you know, and it's like that a lot of times. It is like that. But I do want to hear your thoughts on when Kyrie said he feels, and I don't have his quote here verbatim, that, oh, they don't really have a head coach. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts on all of that? <sighs> Kyrie is uh, something else, to say the least. I think him and KD, and it's so weirdly ironic you asked this question because I was legitimately just talking around this for the Nets as a whole because on paper, um, and, and I hate to even look this far ahead, but on paper, they look like they should be a team that can be that can win the Eastern Conference next year. Yes. But what I keep saying is also looking at the antics, the comments, the behavior of the, their two leaders in KD and Kyrie that we've seen over the last couple of years, not even just as of recent, I see the Nets being more like what we saw from the Clippers this past season. So what I make of this comment that Kyrie had is it's just another example, in my opinion, of the immaturity that he has. I think he's a tremendous player. I think he's, you know, an awesome talent, I think, for him and KD. But coming in with, with Steve Nash as their head coach, who has a relationship, especially with KD, having worked with him in Golden State, I just feel as though they're going to miss, unless he's able to rein them in, they're going to be sitting in the same position that the Clippers were in, a team that underperforms, a team that has all the talents to, to win but won't. Because if they're not able to step into games and be on the same page, I think that what they've struggled with in the past, whether it was Kyrie with LeBron or even Kyrie in Boston, and then KD, definitely KD with the issues with Draymond Green and Steve Kerr and KD with Russell Westbrook, looking over their history, they haven't done well in situations where there's another all-star alongside of them at times. I, I get it. KD won a championship. There's no way that Golden State Warriors team was not going to win the championship. But I do think we're going to see a personality clash that's going to unfortunately hold this team back. And these comments that we've been seeing from Kyrie, whether about not having a head coach, whether about um, LeBron James versus him and who's the, the clutch shooter. I mean, oh, goodness. <laughs> to me, it's like one thing after the other. And I wish sometimes that we just wouldn't hear these, anything at all. So, I mean, I know that, as you mentioned, it's a shame that we'd only hear the negative thing. There are some great things Kyrie Irving does say. But to me, the negative things just kind of unfortunately spoil that because it's like, well, why you're injured? Your team's not in the bubble. You know, they're not playing for a championship right now. So 
just focus on you focus on your team and then before you start talking a whole bunch of junk and a whole bunch of just foolishness just focus on getting back first and foremost and then go from there you know sometimes you just have to let your plane do the talking for you and somehow I feel like KD and Kyrie have missed that and that they still are often caught saying what they shouldn't say instead of just being quiet at moments but I'm interested to see how they work together because I do wish they, them all the best they have a team that so you at the think, so renee you think they'll clash is what you're saying i do oh i okay. absolutely do i absolutely okay. do i've been saying it i haven't been wrong too too many times but i've been saying it because i just feel like looking at their history with other all-stars in situations where they should have been fine we hear all these stories that come out later or even in the in the moment so I think that for the Nets coming off of a tremendous run in the bubble, I thought they did incredible in the bubble yeah. and exceeded all expectations. And Karis LeVert could be a star. I mean, there exactly. Yeah. But I, there can only be in their situation. I don't know if they're open to being on a team with multiple stars. Are they willing to put, you know, the team first to work towards winning a championship or is it going to be a power struggle? And that's where the question is really going to, you know, what's going to change whether or not they can be a championship caliber team. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of validity to what you're saying. And another thing is, is the roster construction is a little bit off. I don't think the team fits together. Not enough players that bring off ball value. And, you know, Karis averts a player that likes to have the basketball in his hands. And, you know, Kyrie and, and, and KD like to have the basketball in their hands. <laughs> I so. did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like. I mean, I don't know where this will go, but uh, I think they have to make a few changes. But like you said, I hope the best for them. Yeah, I, I just think that's something that we often get caught up in is like what we saw with the Clippers. You can have all the talent in the world, but if they don't play well together on floor chemistry, if they don't work hard, tangibles, it doesn't matter. And a lot of championship teams are made up of just a bunch of guys that are selfless, that have talent, but also understand what it takes for their to help their team win. And for the Nets, I don't know that we're going to see that from Kyrie and KD. I don't know if they have that selflessness, that maturity of putting themselves there. Look, they've both won a championship, you know, and that also in itself changes. When you've already won a championship, you kind of take it for you. Sometimes, not everybody. Some may take it for granted, like, oh, I've done it before. We can do it again. Versus having that hunger for wanting your first championship. So I do think we're going to see some, and it might not be enough to keep them from under like from reaching what they should and having them underperform. But I wouldn't be surprised if we have something that comes out around them. That's like, you know, some news of, of all floor issues or locker room issues, whatever it may be, because they've each been involved in a number of it. The common denominator is Katie and Kyrie. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see if that comes out true. I hope not. And, and we I hope both, not. I'd yeah. like to be wrong on this one. Yeah. And you <laughs> met, you mentioned the Clippers and I was always saying this through the pause that the difference between the Clippers and the Lakers were even before the bubble, um, the Lakers were always playing championship level basketball where the Clippers never really did. Exactly. The Clippers to me, never really, never really figured it out. And we know that they had a number of injuries throughout the season. So they never had a chance to fully play together, but it just felt as though they never really were able to get on that same page and, and get over that hump. I mean, as you mentioned, being a championship team is completely different than just being a top regular season team. 100%. And I, I coming into the bubble, especially was, never fully sold. I, I remember saying that and, and was being told I was a hater because I'm a LeBron James fan, but I've always been saying from day one. That I've been I hearing the same sold. stuff. I was hearing the same stuff all year. Yeah. I was like, I'm not sold on the Clippers. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't feel as though they have enough to win a championship. And yeah. I thought, I thought they were good. I just never thought they were as good as the Lakers. 
you know. Right. Yeah. And I, I never thought they were as good as a championship caliber team because I just right. felt as though they didn't have the chemistry, which ironically is exactly what we saw. And again, having Kawhi and Paul George is great, but not if they're if they're not going to show up, first of all. And then if they're not going to figure out how to play alongside their teammates and consistently perform well. So inconsistencies and a whole bunch of foolishness. I didn't feel like they had the work ethic they should. I felt like they played kind of lazy at times. It just was not a recipe for a championship team. And look, that's exactly what happened. They need consistency like Renee with Locked On Wizards. You know, they need that consistency. (laughs) Renee, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Hope to record with you soon. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Thank you, Andrew. Yes, I am everywhere. So I'm at Renee P. Wash on Twitter. I am at Renee P. Washington on Facebook and Instagram. My show is at Locked On Wizards on Twitter. My show Beyond the Headlines is on all social media platforms as well. I am all over talking about especially sports, but a lot of different topics, such as the ones we just got into today. So Andrew, thank you so much for having me on. It's been fun. Anytime. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. And big thanks to Renee for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, let me know how you feel about the show by dropping a comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Be on the lookout for episode 206. Combo out.